Welcome to season three. This episode is one to keep full attention and take notes from start to end. Today is all about looking into the future. We're looking at gaming, we're looking at the future of the home um, to create a space that would be adaptive for all. This touches on every single In brand. So that's a really big one. Brands they cannot not consider getting influencers, creators to be involved. For me, one of the biggest trends will be this idea of the metaphysical flex. So literally, physical worlds uh, with a sort of, with a portal to the metaverse in them. I'm just really interested how perhaps brands and also influencers could be a little bit more assertive uh, yeah. in what trends to follow, what's right for the audience. Because if we're talking 2040, I think it's some of those sorts of things okay. that I think will be really exactly. exciting things to talk about. I'm Mara Genovese, founder and president of Emerging Power. Emerging Power is a fully integrated marketing powerhouse. And this is our podcast, Influencer Marketing Uncover. And by the way, welcome to season three. This episode is one to keep full attention and take notes from start to end. We are in London today for the first time recording this incredible studio that the team here have put together, had a lot of work on it for about six months and now we are here and I'm so happy. And today to kick off the new space, I have the wonderful Kate Barron, who is beside being a top journalist and a writer and is a futurist and innovation strategist. So today is all about looking into the future. She's also a global trend forecaster, specializing in retail, brand communication, fashion, design, visual, and pop culture. And then before I introduce you to Katie, let me introduce you to Alex. So Alex Ray is our head of brand partnership here at MG Power. And it's the first time that Alex is joining me as a co-host. So welcome to Influencer Marketing Cover Podcast, Alex. Thank you very much, Myra. Your few words on our guests are certainly enough to keep us hooked, but there's so, still so much more to her CV. Katie is currently the content director at Stylus, an expert source for trends and insights, research and advisory agency that provides strategic cultural intelligence to companies across the consumer-facing industries. She's also a senior contributor for Forbes.com since 2018 as a specialist in retail strategy, innovation, and commercial culture. She's the author of two books on visual culture and a curator, speaker, and board member of an infinity of very important institutions. Wow. So that's certainly a lot to go on here. I might have to take a quick breather here, but um, I really yeah, enjoyed that. Really that nice was great. to be here. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Welcome, Katie. Yes, that's this what you know a bio you have. So we're gonna have a lot to talk today. And to start with, I think what I am personal, very mm. you know, curious and want to hear from you. What are the trends for 2023? Yeah. And how do you find those trends? So what is the process to actually come to the to the trends of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I could give you about 10 or 20 trends, really. Okay. But I think let's go just for kind of three big ones, because I think the key thing is with this is, is with trends forecasting, you know, sometimes there is a reputation about actually is all this kind of pie in the sky, where is it really pulled from? But really, we're sort of tracking with the trends I'm going to talk about very briefly. I'm tracking things that have been bubbling up for quite a long time and actually things that are now things that are becoming a moral and a commercial imperative, things okay. that are so important to consumers, but also the from a brand perspective, thinking about brands opportunity to really shape the world in a positive way. So you have that kind of confluence of what people need, what people want, what is resonating, but also that really amazing sweet spot about how brands can actually shape the future. Because I think the, the one of the most interesting thing is about kind of trend forecasting and futurism particularly, is that actually you're looking at kind of current trends to map out where the future is going. Sorry. And the, bit, the big thing with that is that, of course, you're saying that the future isn't inevitable, of course. You're actually looking at if things keep moving, this is the way things will go. So actually, there's an opportunity to steer things here, to present different opportunities um, as well. So some of, the, some of the really big things, so things, for instance, we're working on at Stylus at the moment, um, we're doing a really big piece of work about called All Abilities Brandscapes. So we're looking at this idea, actually, for a really long time, it's really, um, it's, you know, ability kind of ability disability there are many different variations of people that uh you know we need to level the playing field basically you know there's an amazing statistic it's something like 
you know, only 2% of websites are accessible in the world, which is insane, insane when you really think about it. And this idea that the kind of lens that we look through through the world is actually quite a narrow lens about, yeah. you know, how you access a website, how you get into a space. So I'm talking about cognitive, sensory, physical, of course, ability as well. So with this big piece of work, we're looking at everything from, uh, you know, amazing things like uh, tools where you can uh, have a website and it can be reconfigured almost instantly. Wow. So without any kind of sacrifice of the visuals that you've got on there, for anything from Parkinson's to dyslexia to um, oh. even, you know, for the aging body, because there's a, you know, it's really interesting if you think about it, that actually we're all only uh, temporarily fully, fully able in mm -hmm. a way, in, in every capacity. So it's about kind of really thinking how we sort of frame these things as well. And we're looking at it in terms of adaptive entertainment. So we're looking at gaming, That's we're looking amazing. at the future of the home um, to create a space that would be adaptive for all. So right across the board, we're looking at representation where um, we're looking at, you know, in virtual worlds, what this means that actually, what does it mean to be part of a community uh, that perhaps has some sort of disability or condition and actually that community is really important to you and how do you want your your lived experience to be reflected in that mm. so we're kind of exploring all these spaces uh, that require us to go into lots of other communities and have very deep conversations and, and so that, that's one thing we're looking at because this touches on every single in brand, every single everyone, brand. whether you're a fashion brand whether you're dealing in the physicality of things whether you're dealing in virtual spaces whether you're dealing in just the way that you communicate so that's really big one. Um, another really big one uh, that we were talking about actually before this, talking about the idea of the metaphysical flex. Okay. That, you know, lots of people have been saying you've got this kind of cooling of like the meta, they're calling yeah. it like the crypto winter. Yes, the, the crypto winter. Yeah. Um, it's warming up again. It's yeah. warming up again, yeah. And lots of people kind of last year kind of going, oh my God, but actually, you know, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis, you know, there's still, you know, a huge amount of conflicts and, you know, there are bigger things going on in the world than the metaverse. Do we really need like another Roblox uh, activation? But the point is obviously the metaverse is so much bigger than that because mm -hmm. we're talking about we're talking Web3, about, yeah. we're actually, we're talking about the future of the internet. So of course these things matter, you know, it's the future of e-commerce, it's the future of the way that we live, communicate, Indeed. learn, all these things. Um, so I'm sort of thinking about, you know, this year particularly, where does it go? And actually for me, one of the biggest trends will be this idea of the metaphysical flex. So literally physical worlds uh, with a sort of, with a portal to the metaverse in them, because A, uh, like think about someone like the Outernet. Okay. Really amazing. So the Outernet, if you don't know it, it's here in London. And mm -hmm. it's a huge big space. It's a kind of, uh, think of it as a kind of immersive arts destination. It's part event space. You know, you can have, uh, it, it's right on the end of Tottenham Court Road uh, and, and the sort of axis of Tottenham Court Road and region of Oxford Street. So you couldn't really get more mainstream, basically. Yeah. Huge thoroughfare. Yeah, huge. Um, and what you've got in there, you've got these amazing screens inside and outside uh, that are fully kind of AR, AI, VR, crypto compliant that you can also plug into as a brand. So if you're a brand that's like, I don't know what I'm doing with this space, you can almost borrow that space. They're doing things in there where you can go in and you can kind of see the metaverse in there. You can also wear a headset so you can kind of see yourself and be in the metaverse at the same time. They're basically using it as a space to kind of trial these technologies, yeah. but in a way which is actually very democratic because, you know, with a lot of the tech that I see, one of the problems is it can be quite elitist. Exactly. And it's like, well, it's okay if you've got a headset or that you understand, you know, you're a crypto connoisseur or you understand about these things, but actually being able to get to the mainstream, um, that can be the big game changer because whether you're talking about how people use it in an art perspective, yeah. um, you know, art culture, an education way, element as well. Yeah. Right? You, you want to be able to kind of put this stuff out there and actually go, you know, it, it's, it, talking about it, you know, as, as people that are experts and influencers, it's really important. It's like you put a tool out there and put it in the hands of people that, that never had it before and, and see, see what they do with it. Yeah. And those are the things that can really change the world a lot. Yeah. And do yeah. you still see um, some of your brand clients being very interested in the space or has that cooled down as well? Is it warming up again? They're definitely a bit stay? nervous about it, but they definitely, yeah. they're definitely seeing the value and they're definitely seeing the value in, um, you know, the fact that We've had the kind of, you know, you've had Roblox, you've got Fortnite, you know, people were yeah. kind of aware of it from gaming and that's what all the talk yeah. was about. But actually understanding that the opportunities, um, you know, if you think about, we've got a, an epidemic of loneliness, um, you know, people are super obsessed with well-being in all kinds of ways now. Mm -hmm. So they're realizing that actually the metaverse presents a way to access 
other things. I mean, actually, funnily enough, talking about the Outernet thing, one of the big things that they did is they did um, a concept. It actually wasn't it wasn't entirely metaverse, but it kind of connected to it. Well, they did a thing with a company called Pixel Artworks where mm-hmm. it's called Room to Breathe. So mm-hmm. you could go in there and it was like having a kind of like on the, the high street. Like going, yeah, <laughs> Room to Breathe. You can literally go into this space and you have almost like a meditation space, kind oh, of just off like one of the busiest roads ever uh, in, in the world, literally. And you go in there and you kind of, you can you can plug in and have, um, they did it with uh, psychologists and with breathwork experts. Yeah. So it was something that was kind of very well programmed to say actually with the sounds and the visuals and you could do it with it a VR headset if you wanted yeah. to go to that space but to give you just that kind of moment of respite and a moment of education to say what about all the people that that really struggle, struggle to, find to find space that find a space to to go yeah. into and to give them that space and I think these are the, some of the changes because we're seeing people shifting from thinking that the metaverse is all about an open space it's all about gaming it's just about entertainment but it's not because it, it is about your yeah it, yeah it is about those things but it's also about um, you know, having a room of your own. I mean, for me, that's one of the most exciting things, like to be able to go into the metaverse and go, that's my space, that's my pod, my you know pod. what I mean? I mean, for me, that would be great um, from, you know, whether it's you're as a parent or whether maybe you're like someone that's really young and you're mm-hmm. working from home and you just can't carve out that space. The idea to have a, like a space in a digital world where it's you, yeah. you create you your create space, your you express space, yourself, you invite who you want into it. It, it keys think, into a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a way to make any space or experience a little bit more immersive, right? Then that's yeah. obviously true for the individual. Like we can escape into different ways. Yeah. But it's also for brands, right? I'm thinking retail spaces, you know? Yeah. How can you make a space more um, immersive for the consumer to make yeah. the the whole transaction a little bit more, you know, natural, essentially? Yeah, because if you look at e-commerce, it really doesn't make sense a lot of it at the moment. Like, yeah. like we just deal with what we're give, given, yeah, right? Yeah, Mostly yeah. As, as sort of, you know, consumers, fans, audiences. And and the more that you put up with it, in a way, the more people are like, they can't, they find it hard to accept there's a yeah. different way of doing things. But if you look at, I mean, you know, there are companies like um, Journey is a really good one, actually. It's mm-hmm. a German company. They're sort of metaverse builders. Yeah. Um, it's only really being used by kind of really big brands at the moment, largely because some of the stuff is expensive because their big kind of premise was saying okay. let's actually look at the aesthetics because the aesthetics of the metaverse were turning a lot of people off yeah they were kind of either really like cyberpunk aesthetics um or it was either kind of like really cyberpunk really like ready player me or like geometric for kids basically and they were saying but what about if actually we could create you know um in gaming they call them like triple a games mm-hmm. where things like hyper realism but better. So it's almost like, imagine wow. the best holiday you were ever going to go on and you could create that space. That space and that becomes a brand space. And imagine being able to go and walk through a space and being able to actually have, you know, the, the most incredible flagship you've mm-hmm. ever experienced in your life. But even better, actually, you get to go in that space and you get to choose who's in it with you. So for instance, they have a tool where Imagine you go into sort of Roblox and you've, you're sort of forced to see like thousands of other avatars. You know, maybe actually I don't want to see all those other people. So then you can create your own space with yeah, the people. Yeah, I could just have my own Alex in that space. So I can choose the setting. So again, you get that really nice sense of control of who's yeah. in it, who talks to you. Um, you can do video calls in it. You can kind of speak avatar to avatar if you just want to have, um, uh, you know, an anonymous experience or you can be you to you. So we could actually say, actually-, actually, I'd like to just chat to you because, you know, I haven't seen you and you're in a different country now let's have a video call so all of a sudden it's really the premise of that is just really amplifying or creating something much better than we've had before so why wouldn't you, you you know yeah. you want that and, and even things actually that are really um you know really great for for you know language tools you know things that you think there are many things in the real world that actually are a kind of stumbling block for people mm-hmm. to go into a shop you go into a, into another city maybe you don't have the language skills you know you, you go to germany for instance and you think oh i feel a bit intimidated i want to go into this amazing store but i don't know how to communicate yeah. imagine well, if you're in a space like that and actually you can communicate with someone from a completely different part of the world because you've got instant language yeah, translation tools. yeah, yeah. but the key the, yeah but like <laughs> That's fascinating. And I'm like, that's what I'm Where's just like, yeah, I'm no, no, no. I'm just like, I love to like, you know, to actually understand like from you that, you know, work with trends and yeah. understand like how that everything gets evolved, especially with seeing yeah. the Web3 and Metaverse. But how do we actually sell that to brands yeah. to join those space? Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, it's still 
brands that I still have, you know, a little bit of, you know, fear of getting yeah. into this space or unsure if it's the right time or even unsure if their consumers are ready for this space, yeah. right? Because I think there's two things. There's the brand that needs to be yeah. ready to actually join and creating, you know, those spaces within yeah. metaverse or creating digital experience. But also there is the consumer element of it, right? Are yeah. the consumers actually ready to be part of an experience like that? So as an agency, yeah. of course, we have so many clients and we are like, we, we love to, to think forward and think future. And we always approaching our clients like, let's innovate mm -hmm. it. Let's look yeah. at what the trends are. Let's think yeah. of metaverse. But we as well, the same yeah. we feel the client say, mm, I'm not ready. Or they wanted to see, let's see which brand's going to do it first yeah. and then That's we follow the problems, through. Yeah. So how do we actually like, you know, and you and you do also you do get those you know the metaverse widely publicized places where someone makes like a two hundred thousand pound metaverse and then six people go exactly that's, <laughs> that's, that's on other points like the investment yeah. right because yeah. it is not we all know it it there's a cost for you yeah. to create those space right yeah. but how we measure return yeah. or it's not we are not yet in a moment that we should think about return is more let's test and learn and then it, understanding it, it, yeah and then thinking of return yeah because there's all these elements right the investments versus my consumers are ready to it or not how do you market how to do them? you market to yeah. them i think there's, there's a few different things there i think you know how do you market to them is a really important one because it's how do people know it's there how do you keep communicating that the things are changing in this space that you might be creating mm -hmm. so actually journey were talking to me about that because they were saying they were creating a tool where um, on your Instagram, for instance, on a brand's Instagram yeah. or LinkedIn or any social platform, mm -hmm. they would create a space where actually via a link, you could just go straight into that thing. So all of a sudden it was saying, you're already in these spaces. People are very used, accustomed, you know, as a brand, mm -hmm. you will probably have built up, um, spent a lot of time investing in your Instagram or your LinkedIn or, or, or TikTok, wherever it might be, to have a portal to kind of go, you don't need to have to kind of work out how to get to this place. We will actually just say, you're already here, interested, we'll take you in. And you mm. kind of stealthily, but kind of overtly stealthily, if you like, yeah. go into that space. And so that's one way to get people into those into spaces. Space. Once they're into those spaces, in terms of you know the ROI, actually in those virtual spaces, compared to doing like an experiential marketing activation, it's actually a lot easier because you can track mm -hmm who do people talk to what are they actually looking at where are they spending their time and actually if you also have uh you know if you're creating a proprietary brand metaverse so if you're h&m working with a journey for instance um you can actually you can kind of meld your crm uh your, your profiles of your consumers uh with what you're doing in those spaces so all of a sudden you've got a much Get bigger a crossover so those things are really important and we're seeing other companies like there's a company called anamxr that are starting to create this is where things like nfts come in okay. where if you have um if you have an nft that links to a particular brand via having that nft you will get like a notification on your phone to say mm. there's a new metaverse experience starting so it doesn't require the things where before it used to be people would have to like be quite nerdy about it really and like sit yeah. on a particular discord server or know that and it would almost be like you've got to be in the know to know that something's happening whereas some of the tools that are happening now are making these things much more mainstream so it's almost like me some of them going do you know that your favorite brand say let's say you know nanushka is having a sample sale in the metaverse at this time and you're like actually i will and here's the link yeah. to get into it so it's those sorts of things that just make it very easy in the same way so it's almost like thinking about the way that you're doing your email marketing and things like that similar principles but but using but the tools think, that connect but do you think the the consumers intro space of metaverse will be the same because consumers yeah. that you know pr would prefer to have you know real experience in into retail shops because yeah. there's, there's this terminology that they like brands say direct to consumer and direct to avatar so the brand will have yeah. to understand okay who are my direct to consumer that I need to do a specifically marketing yeah. and who are the avatars, the direct avatar that I have to do a different type of market. Yeah. What's your view on that? I think sometimes it will cross over. Sometimes okay. it will be it will be the same person that will be like, actually, I really enjoy uh, shopping in physical spaces. You know, we still know that it's like eighty five percent of people. Even though you know e commerce is slowing slightly, yeah. but it's still growing a lot. It's still like you know by twenty twenty six it will be risen by like forty percent. 
but you've still fundamentally got 85% of people that want to shop in stores. But it's not different people. It's the same people doing these yeah. things. So quite yeah. often, and depending how young they are, um, it will. will be the same people. And I think, I mean, funnily enough, um, a live project I'm working on as a kind of spin-off at the moment is I'm part of um, Farfetch have this sort of dream assembly yes, at this outlay of Ventures Group. Really. And I'm working, um, I think I'm allowed to say this, there's a company, I'm sort of doing some sporadic mentoring with them called Alter. Oh, yeah, And it's really, really interesting because what they're doing is they like this idea of kind of looking at uh, you know they're, they're talking about how brands really want to get into their archives how they revive their archives or just sort of flesh out the la- these archives mm. stop them being these kind of dead concepts and bring them to life and how you can use virtual tools to do that and you know also being very mindful that you know when brands have like a big exhibition at say the, the V&A or something mm-hmm. only so many people can ever get to that exhibition exactly. so that idea of kind of democratizing this is what I love these, about metaverse yeah the democratization of access and we were to saying like an exhibition for example yeah super important it's and amazing. we were saying and they were kind of saying to me you know from my experience um, it's one thing talking to brands but if we think about brands you know, you've got retailers but let's think of the museums as brands themselves Mm-hmm. So what if you're like the V&A and you've done something like, oh, like one of my favorites, like maybe like Club to Catwalk mm-hmm. or Fashioning Masculinities. What happens when that show ends? You know, one of the amazing things is what if you had people, whether they did, even if they went in person to go, you know what, actually you went in person, um, but since then we've actually created other rooms or we've recreated the thing that you went to. And now you can actually go and go to the virtual experience as well. So maybe you'll buy a ticket for the physical show, but then afterwards when it's finished and they you now, you know, have they have to access. do another show in the VNA, but actually you would still have access. Yeah. And maybe as that thing goes on, it becomes a rolling thing. So you might have, you know, amazing fashion journalists that might go in there um, and can continue. So you keep this thing going as a living, breathing thing. So I think there's a lot to be said for using the metaverse as this kind of ongoing portal for expanding the things that you're doing in the physical space as well. Also and helping not, smaller you know, artists to grow yeah, a little faster. Exactly. Big artists, yeah. making them more accessible, right? If I'm thinking music artists, yeah. how can you, you know, yeah. beyond just a stadium, sell out your, your show? Yeah, now? yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot to do with sort of merch tailing and fan tailing and obviously for, for you know, with um, the rise of streaming. I mean, I wrote a book, funnily enough, about fashion and music and the intersections of that. Um, and, I, you know, we were looking at these incredible stadium shows and, and, you know, there's an artist called Des Devlin and she was one of the chapters in this book. And it was really amazing because, you know, she was doing these incredible stadium tours and doing these things that were really crossovers between art, immersive experiences, mm-hmm. music. Uh, it, it was just the sort of confluence of everything I was super fascinated by. And that was because really, you know, it, they, artists aren't make, weren't making the same money in the way they were from just the album sales anymore. It was all about creating these amazing experiences. Yeah. Um, so, so there are those sort of aspects aspects to that as well. I mean, there's, there's a company called um, Blocktones that's like a collective of music producers. And they're actually working with AnimeXR that I mentioned. Um, so they're doing what you call token gating. Mm-hmm. So basically yeah. it's like if you have an NFT, you can go, uh, like so anyone can go to their, their experience in the metaverse. Yeah. But if you've got mm-hmm. the NFT, you can go into a special listening room special and you can get these yes. perks. And yeah. so there's a lot of stuff like that where I think it can be like special experiences, spin-off experiences. Yeah. It's just a really, it doesn't have to cannibalize what you do in the physical space. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always been a really big believer in you know, you, we, we know that a physical space is sort of seeds activity in the digital world. You know, we're seeing... How to combine the both, right? And leverage yeah. from one to another. But the, like, because you, mm. you, you said that e-commerce, it was slowing down, but now it's going up again. Yeah. And then the physical experience is still 85%. Yeah. Tell me more about that, because of course we throughout the pandemic we yeah. saw the opposite, right? That was the the rise of e-commerce. So like yeah. e-commerce just exploded because there is no other way, you know, consumers yeah. could, you know, hence why it's slowing yes, a bit now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But now it feels like consumers, not just from fashion or lifestyles brand, but there is this, you know, eager this motivation of having those experience yeah. on 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 the retail spaces again. Yeah. But they wanted to find a different type of experience that they used to have before a pandemic. So they're yeah. looking for more exclusivity. They're looking yeah. for more of an experience rather than yeah. just go and shop a pair of shoes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what has the shift that you have seen from before and after pandemic on the retail experience? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because. 
And, you know, we've got like this kind of paradigm shift to working from home. Uh, so obviously people are going back to the office now, but yeah. never, never, very rarely are they going back kind of as, as full away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that in itself is spurring, um, you know, there was a very simple statement someone made at the NRF conference recently. Um, the marketing uh, director, I think it was for a camp, you know, the kids store in America. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, she said, I'm going to be really honest. She said, people are using our space as a space to get out of a house because oh, actually wow. it's a reason yeah, for them to get out. The get kids, out. and they're doing these amazing collaborations. So they're doing um, collaboration with, uh, they've been doing it with Nike, where they create this kind of kids space that's all about fitness, but it's trophy rooms. It's about the legacy of sport, customization. Mm-hmm. They even did like a FinTech one. They did one with a bank where the kids could go in and like quite dangerous really, but they allowed them to take over the space and be like, okay, you wanna learn about finance? You can run the space. I mean, caveat, don't, I really don't know how old the kids were. That's sort of terrifying. <laughs> idea to me but um they would go in and they would earn points and so they would earn points that they could then they could buy stuff in the store i mean it was no, probably yeah. like yeah. i'm saying it like it worked really well it was probably like complete anarchy and probably but, but why do you think they, they, they did losing, that did they want to keep customers there longer or yeah because i mean because and it's part yeah partly it was about actually kind of creating it's that sort of like kidsania approach where it was yes. actually about creating experience that was um like I, I wrote a section for that that coverage talking about the idea of sort of transformational experience experiential okay, that people to a certain extent kind of want to go in where they can learn a new skill they can kind of feel enriched in some way they can kind of you come out of that experience feeling that more than you were before and mm. um, you know that doesn't necessarily and that, that could just be having the most amazing entertainment experience you know they're also working with media groups so they'd be working with um uh, you know, Encanto, they did a whole Encanto experience where it was sort of translating that animated experience, animated experience. into a space. And of course, they're all, they're, they're making, they're doing a, you know, a, a, a very good uh, job at kind of selling from that experience with the kind of mementos as you can imagine. Um, but there, you know, e- even brands, we've seen it like um, a brand that's kind of really shooting up in the States, uh, Studs, you know, okay. which is literally just ear piercing. And they were saying that really they were creating this kind of, quite full-on experience where they said you know this is a service you can get really anywhere um and actually we're going to make this something that really feels like you are having this kind of you know the equivalent of having like a spa day out but basically you're having your ears pierced talking about kids and experience i was in new york uh last week and then my son came to visit me during the weekend and he said to me i want you to go to nike store and i never been to the nike store in soho yeah. And as soon as we got there, I was just like, wow, what is this store? Because it's a proper experience. And my son is really into basketball now. Yeah. And as soon as he got there, he said, let's go to the fourth floor. Yeah. Because it's the Jordan's floor. And they have the whole basketball experience there where you can have a teacher yeah. that can teach you basketball. And I was like, yeah. But Antonio, how do you know that? Yeah. First of all, how yeah. do you know that on the fourth floor there's a there's a floor called Jordan? It's all about basketball. Yeah. You can play basketball. Oh, because I saw on the YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but it was an ad. And he's like, yes, yeah. it was an ad on YouTube that Nike has this store in New York. So I knew it. As yeah. soon as I'm in New York, I want to go to Nike shop. So we went to the fourth floor. And actually, they did have a space for kids to play basketball. Yeah. So you you have to become a member of Nike so you can do their membership on the app straight away. Yeah. And then you can have a half an hour playing basketball with, you know, yeah. a, a professional that is there in the store all the time. Yeah. And when you leave, you just get a badge like you're now being, yeah. you know, trained by <laughs> one of Jordan's, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that was transformational for Antonio as an experience. Yeah. And then the next day he said, I said, what do you want to do today? He said, I want to go back to my yeah. play basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whilst hemorrhaging money along the way. Or, yes. You know. so, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, ama- it's amazing. I mean, Nike's really, really smart with it as yeah. well because it's almost like this full experiential. It's almost like, like borderline kind yes. of a theme park, really, where you can go in there. And if all you, know, all you have to have is the free app. And actually you can go in there and it's very personalized to you. So if mm. you choose to opt totally. into that, they will also be able to tell you and go, actually, we know what you've been looking at via our other apps. You know, it's only through things that exactly. the data you've allowed them to have. Exactly. pop-ups exactly. that come up for me um, as I enter the store and it tells me, oh, you've left this in your basket online. They have it in store here because exactly. it knows where I am and the location that I'm yeah. very in proximity to that yeah. store, you know. And it's you can a go, bit, yeah. a bit creepy. Creepy. But also, but it's a good to know, you know. Creepy, <laughs> creepy, but ultimately, I mean, I think as you know, as long as you know that the sort of 
people are kind of pretty pretty much okay with their sort of you yeah. know, do, do you care really about your, if, right? if the personalization just, is really good, good and it's valuable if it's then valid, i'm happy yeah. actually to have it it's all know? it's all about getting the personalization the degree really really so it's about exactly. using your data science to make sure that you're not completely being spammy yeah. with it basically because then if the personalizations and the recommendations are like 90 percent good you're like actually i feel seen enough that this is good exactly. and you know what it is actually very useful to know that, that thing is here in my size especially if it's an exclusive thing especially yeah, yeah, if it's yeah. something you couldn't get a hold of to know it's back in stock and to be able at the same time go i'm going to book this thing for later in the week it's a bit like going and i can you know i can book an exercise class there's a thing upstairs to be able to see what's happening in those spaces it is, it is a, um, a little tiny portal to your own world the personalization really... element is what will engage people to actually yeah. want to be part of the physical I the digital world. It's slightly different, but I um I, I tried out quite a cool thing in the new Nike. Uh, well, it was new in the summer, actually, the West London uh, uh, one, where they had like a, a comparison table as well, which was really good. Not so much necessarily for younger people, but just getting over that choice paralysis where you could kind of put things on a table but again you could put wow. you could use it completely solo or with your own app where it would say okay i'll put in you know my app details my profile a digital screen you would literally put a shoe on top of it and it would go okay so it might say katie we can see that you are yeah tell me i put the beauty product on the table i told me all the ingredients that it had and you know what it's good for and And it can kind of go we know that actually alex you know you only like vegan beauty or you've been like you know or or i was about to say (laughs) me i was about to totally lie and go we know that you like to run like you know three marathons a week i'm saying that like in my dreams but and yeah. um, but really really good so all of a sudden it can kind of those spaces where you're like because these stores can be overwhelming as well you know yeah, sometimes particularly, particularly with these huge among sort of humongous like theme park like flagships you can go in sometimes and be like i know i'm supposed to be into this but i'm actually not enjoying it because i really don't know where to start with it it's just too much so yeah. these little kind of pockets are really great but i um, think it's never going to be for everyone you know you can't please everybody some people are just gonna want yeah. to stick to shopping it's online okay. other people it's want okay. the, their store to always look the same and then there's yeah. people who are really into yeah. innovation you know i mean another another trend that we we're looking at in stores that i think is um quite different actually is for instance and um, we're looking at the idea of kind of asset calling them like asset studios or asset stores i think i've, I've called them mm. um because there's that sort of big shift and actually and this connects sustainability um sustainability to side hust- having side hustles so people kind of realizing there's a really good statistic something like 90 percent of europeans now look at their stuff as assets so it's a bit like you're aware which is actually kind of quite positive actually because it's sort of saying we're aware that our things um shouldn't be dispensable that actually yeah. you buy something That's and you might sell good. it on and obviously um it becomes more problem problematic if it's a fast fashion brand because that can incite you to spend more but um so th- so we had like there was like ebay did a really sort of nice concept shop where actually you could bring in so, your stuff uh, and they would validate it so, and that's idea where you can go smart. in because um and people are even doing it with nfts so harvey nichols have got an nft vault but if you go back to the physical thing so you can go in and go i've got this thing i don't know what it's worth at that given moment and someone in real time which yes. i think is the really exciting yeah. bit can kind of go market value is this and then in that ebay shop what was quite nice is they said so either you can just know that or you can swap it for the value of something the on, the shelves, on the shelves. Or they had a little photo studio, which allowed you to go, we will help you do a really good photo for this, a really yeah. nice image, uh, sort of your image it. equity and sell it. And it was really smart because it was that, that understanding that that's how we think, whether you're like someone that's very entrepreneurial or whether you're or just whether like, just, uh, actually, I would just like to know the value of this and I feel quite proud of it, whatever it is. But so that's another kind of trend that we're seeing. But yeah, with the, even Harvey Nichols with the NFT vault, because, mm. you know, people a couple of years ago particularly bought all kinds of NFTs, NFTs yeah. lots of which are now like, you know, I've got a friend uh, who will know who she is when she watches this. <laughs> Spent quite a lot of money on some art NFTs, and they're all worth about six dollars now. Oh, um, so there yes. was a lot, which so is partly why, yes. hence the kind of crypto cool down. Um, but you know, some some aren't, some are really. But but knowing the kind of like value of what you have and what you could do with that, there's something, something you know. I mean, in Britain, we're all known as a nation of shopkeepers, and I actually see it as an extension of that kind of 
old adage that we we love to like we love to do jumble sales i mean that's just here and um, you know we love we love a car boot sale we love a jumble sale people yeah. love sh setting up an independent shop it. so it's, it's a really still... sort of nice modern way of thinking about quite an, a, yeah, an old school yeah. mentality have really. your own personal shop, personal yeah. shop. supercharged by everything from vintage to ebay yeah, yeah. and katie now like brands but what about creators Yeah. Right. Because like yeah. now, like we understand like the the importance of brands to yeah. to kind of you know understanding like how to do both the physical and the digital, how to combine. Yeah. But what's the role of the creators when we think about Web three and yeah. when we think about metaverse? Yeah. Is there any trends for the creative economy we're seeing? Yeah. The Web3? I mean, I think we're um we're definitely seeing um you know the sort of the the 3d digital creator is becoming a huge what's it called character. 3d 3d, 3D digital, digital creators yeah okay so i've never heard only. of what's that sorry they're creating visuals only and posting them on yeah what kind of 3d so objects actually yeah. there's 3D a number of digital artists. creators yeah there's okay. yeah there's a number of companies that can allow you to create kind of really good uh, they you know they give you parameters and create you know mod 3d modeling really yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. because of course you've got um You know, lots of these brands are creating these amazing spaces, but we always, you know, stylist, my colleague, uh, Julia Owens, who's uh, one of our pop culture media editors, um, she talks about, there's a really nice phrase about like the sparks of life in the metaverse. Although some of these are actually sort of inanimate objects. So actually she was really talking about sort of pets and people really, which is a whole other subject. <laughs> but actually with creators, whether you're creating, yeah, like pets for the metaverse, whether you're creating room sets, mm -hmm. that kind of, for actually brands, I mean, obviously they have teams in house that are very good at doing them. But you know, as someone that looks at kind of influencer marketing, there will be numerous people that are actually creating their own hacks that are out there developing these tools that, that they can create from companies that are just, you know, spin-offs or, you know, companies that kind of tag into gaming companies like Unreal Engine and things like that and Epic Games, these tools. And people will be there with kind of big followings. So imagine thinking yes. of them as almost like 3D creator influencers. Think yeah. of them in that bracket. It's a very specific audience you can reach. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally follow some of the ones yeah. that do more the animation side of it on TikTok, right? Yeah. It's all digital, visual, animation, all created on the computer. Yeah. It's kind of mesmerizing and quite yeah. fun and good to watch, you know. And brands will need those creators in order for them to actually break into yeah. the world of metaphors because yeah. they already have the followers, right? So yeah. they already have why not the audience. Why not co-create it? And yeah. get them to participate. Because it kind of, you know, follows the, the principles of, you know, with things like, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, Roblox and uh, Minecraft and things like that. That sort of sense of building your own space has kind of almost been one of the principles yes. of, of those spaces anyway, that people like the fact that, you know, even going way back, it was all about creating your own city and your own spaces. Lego. Lego. Yeah, Lego. yeah, exactly. Lego You're exactly example. right. It's always yeah. been from very, really uh -huh. back in the day. It's always been about having a sort of sense of agency that you get to shape the world that you live in. Think mm -hmm. of it on that on a very base level. So yeah. that's really important. And I think actually that's why if you think about something like, um, you know, go back to Nike again, um, you know, swoosh, Nike swoosh, um, one of the most popular concepts um, in terms of actually branded NFTs. I think actually it was like 60% of all the sort of top, the top 10 wow. NFTs that were bought, branded okay. NFTs, 60% of it were, were connected to, to Nike last year. And with the Nike swoosh, um, what's really interesting, um, so basically it's a sort of slightly co-creational marketplace. Now, what's interesting is that it's backed, uh, it's, it's blockchain backed, So okay. these things are stored on blockchain, but you don't need cryptocurrency to buy them. So mm -hmm. what you do, it's about, there's, a, you know, you get brands uh, that Nike set briefs to which consumers, fans rather, uh, respond. And so what's really important, so then all of a sudden you have this collective of people and that are kind of members of the community, let's okay. say, um, that, are that are creating these things. So they might create a design and you might have thousands of people doing it. And then the community will go, we like those three of those things and we will kind of put them forward and they will be part of the collection. Now, later this year, you're also going to have Nike nice. designers co-creating with um, some of the kind of the, the, you know, it's a bit like Depop. Whoever's a top seller, yeah, whoever's the, the community's yeah. favorite artist, they, they rise to the, the top via yes. the collective. The collective boosts them up from the from the bottom, so it feels very democratic. It feels exactly. really fair and equitable. 
But importantly, they're doing it with Nike's uh, own own. Um, and if they sell, if those virtual items sell, they will actually get commission on that. They will receive some royalties. Um, but it's so it's really smart. So a you get people that are involved in it um, will get money from it. It's very fair. It's very equitable from the brand. But I think what's been missed before in some of these conversations is that actually you know we've seen lots about you know. you know decentralized autonomous organizations and people going the future is all about having these sort of um space these communities which i don't think is entirely true because i think the trouble is when you get completely designed by committee it can be a bit like you know it's a bit too rogue it's too too rogue at some point what if everybody has a different opinion what if no one and then everybody it it works in a kind of if you think of it from a very utopian stance where you think that everybody that started that community continues to agree with each other and it's very cohesive and synergetic. But what if actually there's dissension in that community? I think it's a good idea. It's just that because you're, um, you know, so private on the blockchain, like nobody really knows who these 10,000 different people are. It could be all owned by the same person. And then again, you lose that yeah. sort of democratic element that they want to push through through those technologies you know yeah. so that's a real thing i think it's uh yeah a little I th- risky i think but. with the the nike designers that it, it's you know there's a lot to be said for still having um some kind of figurehead or or a selection of figureheads you know we're saying that fashion at the moment yeah. maybe you have brands where you actually have a kind of number of, of sort of um, almost like guest editors that that come in but people like you know that's why people still they follow people on instagram they still that's 100%. why it's nice to have people for whatever reason whether it's really nerdy or whatever it is to have those people where you feel like I believe in this person. You know, we still want to have people that we ultimately believe. To believe I think now in. with brands, they um, cannot not consider getting influencers, creators to be involved within their brand. But I agree with you that we cannot get them to co-create everything for the brand because it's, yeah. it, it has to have a balance of involving creators into the element of yeah. co-creation and get them to participate in what Nike is doing is genius. But it still have the essence of what brand does yeah, independently, completely. Because right? I think you know, and if you've ever worked in, because I've worked in house for a number of brands myself, and I think we all know, and the brands that you work with, how hard you work as a brand to really identify. 100%. You know, it's not about just having a brand, but where everything's written down. It's about feeling who you are as a brand and knowing mm. instantly, exactly. as you would as a particular personality, what works and what doesn't. And I think this is where you see quite a few problems in, I, I don't really want to name any names, but in, in luxury fashion, where actually, you know, I know a lot of people that work on the campaigns and there's a lot of, sometimes if you took the logos off, it's very difficult to un- to, to know now who that brand campaign is for. E- particularly yes. if you look at... I will Parisian ask your brands. opinion, talk about branding. What do you think about Burberry changing again? Their I think logo, communication. Yeah, that's a like, really interesting one. I yeah, really, I feel do you I, think? I think oh, so, Barbara, I love you, but I, st- I still don't have my opinion about this new. I I'm in two minds about direction. it because I feel like in terms of um, diversity, it's really good because I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Burberry in a way, you know, the fact that it's sort of reflecting a much more modern Britain is, yeah. a, fa- is a fantastic thing. It's an amazing thing. Um, in terms of whether they will carry on an identity that will feel cohesive or again, whether it's something where you're like, but actually that looks like many other brands that I've seen. That's where that's what I think remains to be seen. But we've only released, we've only really seen like literally a handful of images. Yeah. But that's so, the thing, like I think they're going more back to what they were originally more about, right? If you look at the previous logo, that looked very much like every other like luxury fashion I don't, brand. I still don't have an opinion about it, but I, the, my yeah. initial <laughs> thought was like, again, because they've been doing a lot of, like we're talking about, you know, brands and you know how engage with yeah. consumer and how you establish your brand and i think when you change too many times throughout yeah. a short period of time is sometimes you can yeah that's my personal opinion you can lose track of like who we who you actually are as a brand yeah. and who is your consumer, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think with that, I'm really fascinated. I'm really, really interested to see what's going to happen with me the Fashion too. Week show. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be the big one. Um, and yeah. tell me some forecast for the future. Yeah. South by Southwest is in three weeks time. Yeah. And for what I've been reading, we're going to be there. Yeah. They're going to talk a lot about future, but they're talking about 2050. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm not even ready for 2025 forecast. Yeah. yeah. So forecast, what, how do you see the, you know, the industry of digital brands, yeah. consumer 
metaverse web3 what can we expect it more from everything you already said yeah i mean i think you know really really honestly funny enough at starters we do actually look at kind of the consumer of 2040 but i think okay. particularly when you're looking at kind of media pop culture retail technology these sorts of things look at how much stuff has changed in the last it's two a years lot. Yeah. i think a it's lot. a little bit, bit unrealistic in a way i mean i think certainly um these sort of big macro changes in terms of um thinking of us about having a kind of digital sort of double identity. I think that's one that's going to be for sure. Digital I, double identity. Okay. Yeah, the idea that, you know, at the moment we kind of live in the, obviously we will have to live in the real world, but actually that, that we will do a humongous amount more in the virtual world and yeah. we will all have, you know, where, where we, I'm very interested in exploring sort of digital identity at the moment and this idea of when we go into digital spaces, whether we are ourselves into those real spaces, whether we have a kind of fictionalized version of ourselves. Do you think this is going to affect our mental health, that we're going to have double identity? What yeah. is the effect on well, our mental health? Well, this is the... an interesting point because, um, you know, um, and actually I did a panel at COGX talking about, um, you know, it was, it was called, where is my head at? The metaverse yes, and mental exactly, health. Yes, exactly, because that's what I've seen sometimes. Like, and if I have was, to invent how I'm going to... Because gonna... we talk about this idea of code switching. So there's this, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, that idea that, that there's a certain amount of, you know, in, in these virtual worlds that living your truth is really important. There are yep. many people that, for whatever reasons, socio-cultural, familial, can't necessarily feel that they can live at their, in, in their sort of their truthful space, express themselves. But there is a point where... Um, the fiction, you know, that, that it kind of can go over into sort of fiction where actually, you, let's say you sort of expand, you elasticate your own self as in the self that you kind of live in in, in, the, in the IRL world wow. okay. to actually when you kind of have to go back and forth between them, that it can be very difficult and actually become very confused about sort of who you are, what the parameters are. You could feel potentially uh, very stifled in the real world because if you feel like, I, I feel like I'm the real me in this space, in the virtual mm -hmm. space, but unfortunately I have to live and work in these spaces, then that can become quite problematic. Um, for instance, this is really interesting. I met a filmmaker last year. We had this amazing guy, can't think of the name off the top of my head, I'm sorry about that. Dutch filmmaker who won several awards for a film that he'd done about maladaptive daydreaming. And so maladaptive daydreaming is this incredible thing where people basically daydream for maybe like eight, nine hours a day, sometimes more, as they go into these fantasy worlds. And some of our team were kind of horrified by it. And some of us that work more in the pop culture space and work looking at digital identities, wow. we were sort of like said, yeah, but you know what? Who am I to say what's real and what's what's your reality? Yeah, what I mean, if you're a creative person, you know? you're probably if, to spend a lot more time in that world. Yeah, but. you know, and I've met people in virtual experiences. I was in one with Sam Field, actually. There was a Fabric of Realities experience and I was watching people in that experience come in and people who were obviously quite well known to other people because they were they were developers coming in and people like fangirling and fanboying over other wow. avatars in the space going, oh my God, you're a certain developer, you created that world. And, I, and it was really <laughs> weird, just like the real world. And, you st and I thought this is really how <laughs> How it, how it will go yeah. um, but it was interesting but what this guy had found at the, that there was a point where people found it very very hard to thrive in the real world when that it got to a state where actually they would they'd almost kind of disconnected with their reality and there are certain elements of reality that you have to engage with to connect socially um, for your own well-being in a way so there's lots of discussion around that and how mm -hmm. that might work in the metaverse but of course this all, all thinking about at South by Southwest if we spend a lot, or a lot of us spend a lot more time moving into these virtual yeah, environments, virtual environment. actually, it might well be that we start saying, not to terrify anyone, but we might go, well, actually, I spend 70, 80% of myself in a virtual environment, and I really just go back to bed in the mm -hmm. <laughs> other yeah, one. Yeah. I want to be quite careful about that, because obviously, you know, being connected to nature and the real world it's and other people and these things in a way, in important. a physical way, there are many things about that that are incredibly important. There's Doctors a reason why yeah. exactly. there, there are reasons why this kind of actual physical... Um, when you were telling that story, yeah. I, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know the name of the episode, on Black Mirror, where, have you seen Black mm -hmm. Mirror? Yeah, I know the episode like, yes, about. <laughs> is the one that the guy is like all the time surrounded by so many screens. I think it's called the bicycle episode. Sure and that, yeah. eventually he's just there, you know, look at the yeah. digital, all the screens all the time. And then eventually he's like, you know, I needed to go to the real world and he has a friend that yeah. sings really well. But then when they go, they don't know how to connect 
again yeah. back to the real world. Yeah. It's funny though that Black Mirror it's been around for a long time now yeah. and yeah. looks like they were like so. forecasting yeah. a lot of things that yeah. is happening right I now, think, right? Yeah, they were they were spot on because a lot of that stuff was already happening to some degree. Yes, but and it was exactly. But now I think when right I have now. time, sometimes I go back to some of the episodes because I've seen Black Mirror like four years ago, <laughs> and now when I look at back, I was like, wow, actually it's it's happening yeah. this yeah. now. I mean, there's, there's a lot about that kind of, you know, technology, human interlace, as some yeah. people call it, that's really important. Because obviously there's a lot to do with co-presence and empathy and the fact that, you know, empathy using using VR important. tools, allowing you to experience the world through somebody else's eyes is really important. And obviously, you know, I'm doing a bit of um, research work at the moment with companies that are actually um, allowing us to... Uh, you know, in the real world, uh, objects are just, in the, as in the real IRL physical world, objects are just objects. So I have um, a friend who who um, runs the Design Informatics Centre at, at Edinburgh Futures Institute. Um, I might have got the name slightly wrong with that. Uh, Lynn, uh, Lynn Craig. And she's working on projects at the moment where they're looking at actually, what if you're in a space where actually um, you can imbue uh, a, a virtual object with a trait like newness wow. or authenticity because there are these things and there are these areas of our brain that we don't really explore we that don't much really explore. like you know wow. got, there's a company called <laughs> called um metasense and full fathom that works on this stuff so on a very basic level they're the people that will like create sounds for like um a hairspray which we don't really think about we every don't day. Really think about but it. he talks to me but it's it's fascinating when you talk to someone like that and you realize that they're the language that they use to talk about the world around them it's very different to the language that I use, but it makes you realize that there's whole other layers to the world yeah. that we experience. And at the moment, you know, we you know, we sort of always think that um, these things are sort of passive experiences, but what about if you make, we don't realize how important, how important sound and the aggregation wow. of sound and visuals and, 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 and smell and all these things together become. Yeah. Um, so the, so the, the metaverse and virtual, let's say virtual worlds, there are all these other languages to explore that to are explore. really, yeah. really important. I haven't thought about um, it, but it's so but true. also some that won't be able to be replicated, to be replicated if you're talking yeah, about smell right for example it's no there hard. are there are I'm things sure they'll like figure taste. out a way eventually <laughs> no 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 already that's the thing that funny enough that there are sonic frequencies that will fire certain synapses in your brain so you will so for instance they've been working on a project literally at the moment um, where you will wow. drink you can drink a specific drink and you'll be walking through and actually they will change in combination but mostly it's just the sound actually so you'll hear these sort of specific sonic frequencies and the taste, your taste receptors, you will think that the drink you're tasting is changing, but it's not. So they know the particular sonic frequency that can make something be sweet or citrusy or any of these flavors. Oh so a lot of these is... things we we think, we don't realize that actually we think it's, you know, we think in quite a linear way about these things. Yeah, and I bring yeah. that back to this discussion about, um, you know, about thinking about the world in terms of all abilities, because of course at the moment, we t most people tend to go, that are designing things will say, we're looking at the world, you know, whether it's the internet or physical spaces, and we're looking at it from a kind of, let's just say it's so-called like able-bodied world. Mm -hmm. um, and actually we're gonna look at that and now we'll try and kind of like tweak it so that it will fit other people into it. But actually what if you took looked at a group of people and you say, let's look at people that are so-called non-able-bodied or, you know, have, have a sort of sensory impairment of yeah. some sort. But think about, they just have a different, they will often have just a very different language or way of understanding the world through time, you know, even through time, sensory, different levels of depth. And actually it's like, maybe we should be educating ourselves, reverse educating. So yeah. actually we're looking sure, at things actually, through different wow. eyes, through different languages. Yeah, yeah. And I think, although that might sound a bit convoluted, I think there's a lot that's happening with these technologies in these spaces that's going to teach us to look th through a very different lens to the one where we look at at the moment where it's like this is the mainstream and then we try and go off at the other side and actually we should come at it from different angles to start off with so that's so but I, I mentioned that because if we're talking 2040 yeah you, you did ask me about yeah the forecast what's happening in the future can, yeah so I think it's some of those sorts of things okay. that I think will be really that's exciting things there. to talk about yeah that's yeah Katie, I yeah, I know that go for ahead. it because I have one more thing that I want to ask to get her opinion on yeah, that was just one question. So we've talked about many different trends now. Yeah. Um, and I think what I don't like to see is when there's one really big one and every brand and influencer just jumps yeah. on it. So I'm just really interested how perhaps brands and also influencers could be a little bit more assertive uh, yeah. in what trends to follow, what's right for the audience or what's right for potentially future audience that they want to yeah. move towards, right? Because there's a distinction there that I think, you know, they definitely have to make mm -hmm. rather than just 
always blindly following the next biggest yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I think totally. I mean, I think, you know, we look at the massive trends, but we also look at the more micro trends. And I think it's what, you know, whatever space that you're in, you know, we did a piece about looking at the cost of living crisis kind of before it really became massive. Um, yeah. And we were looking at reframing frugality and things like that. And we were looking at mini trends within that from influencers, whether it was dupe culture, saying actually dupe cultures become, become quite cool because actually whether it's fashion, so it's like hacking your favorite fashion brands, maybe not maybe so good for the brands, but yeah, again, yeah. but funnily enough, but these are the things that sometimes brands can subvert that and go, we will take something that looks anti-brand, but we'll reclaim it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might, or it was people saying you know, like mini fintech influencers going. Actually, there's lots of people that don't know how to manage their money. Yeah. We will we grab will, onto that yeah, and we'll go. We'll do stuff like that. Or even the dupe culture. We had we looked at lots of um, influencers that are doing it in the food space that were going. People will will show you how to make uh, you know the McDonald's burger and mm-hmm. we'll show you how to do it at home. Well, I think it might have been like KFC or something I like that. And then KFC yes. kind of jumped on the back of that and some supported some of these yeah, yeah. people that were hacking the right them and were like, life. all right, but it's actually not ever going to be quite the original recipe. Yeah. So I think even from brands, it's you know, it's important to almost to know what people are jumping on, the micro trends. Um, you know, our team at Stylist, we look a lot at whether it's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, Be Real, all these things. You know, so for instance, we're even looking at um, you know, we were looking at like snackable social saying that there's mm-hmm. there's a kind of, again, as you often get, there's a cutoff point between people saying they're really fatigued by social media and feeling like this pressure to create this like perfect life yeah. um, or just to or just to post all the time is too much. Mm-hmm. But actually coming off it also creates a lot of anxiety. So what was this middle ground? So we were looking at kind of like snackable social and saying, look, that's why things like Wordle have become a really big thing where it's like you just check in daily. Um, There was another, um, someone had done a serialization of a Dracula novel where you would just like read that little excerpt every day for like 10 minutes and then people would talk about it on social. Then the next day you do the same thing. But it was only about being that for that 10 minutes or be real where it's like, this point in time, you've got to keep it real. That's all you do. Yeah, yeah. There is no more to it. Um, so there, there were things like that. So sometimes it's it's about those trends, but it's also about going, you know, for us, obviously at Stylus, it, it's very much about, but where do they come from? What desire oh, are they I feeding? And is there another feeding. trend you want to jump on that actually, or you're, you know, creating a trend by understanding what's the mentality that it's behind the that's trend. behind these things um but some you know like i mean de-influencing everyone's talking about that at the moment but um you know like if i was a brand some brands would probably be like oh my god Ooh, and we're on? sending things to people and some come some influencers are like actually i want to be trending with the de-influencing trend <laughs> so i'm going to just start slating everything i've been sent but actually if i was a brand you know probably i'd be saying you know we all know with reviews that that products that really sell gen- generally tend to be ones where it's like 10 great reviews and one crappy one. So actually I'd probably be like, if I was a beauty brand, be like, let's get an influencer to do like, here are the, t- the best five brands, ones of these brands. And here's one that's a bit shit. And then yeah. actually, and then maybe you'll maybe, maybe you'll just continue. Then afterwards, you'll be like, "Brilliant, we're going to discontinue that and do more of these ones." So I yeah. think there's always. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think there are always a lot of little a trends lot of within trend it. That we can. Um, but never kind of feel the pressure to feel like you know you don't have to be on cottage the cottage core trend or barbie core if you're you know yeah. just need to be on where it makes sense for your brand. Yeah, and understand and, why and it is what what it is about that thing that make that's making everyone go nuts for goblin core or barbie core or you know yeah. and, it, and is it is it actually one thing with, vibe, with, with yeah. trends that sometimes I feel like there is this uh, anxiety of brands that want to jump into the trend straight away because there is a trend. Yeah. But it's like my perspective is so important. Like if you wanted to do that trend, why do you, what's the objective yeah. behind you going to that trend? Yeah. Right. Are your consumers the right ones to actually follow that trend yeah. rather than just all oh, because everyone is doing or because there's a trend you have to do it because there's this anxiety of brands. Okay. We need to keep, you know, keep up with what's yeah. happening, especially within the social yeah. environment and what influencing creators are doing. But I think there's yeah. a, there's a stop moment there. Okay. Is that make sense? Is that going to resonate to my audience? Yeah what's the objectives behind it rather than just follow a trend. Yeah, because, you know, people are so savvy, they'll sniff it out exactly. immediately. And it's a little bit, it's a bit like... Especially the young ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah especially, especially the young, the young ones, ones. It's like, you know, you'll see a lot of brands, you know, they'll, they'll readily admit that they started trying to use particular kind of, you know, chunk of youth speak 
and yeah. it just like backfires massively. Yeah, really yes, backfires massively. And then the brands that really go through the roof are the ones that actually hire those young creators to yeah. run, you know, channels 100%. and brands for them. Actually, yeah, it's, and it's really okay not to be everything to everyone. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah, like even back it. in the day, I always remember being on a show studio panel and. You know, even for some brands, it's like you just there might be certain social channels that you just don't really want Absolutely. to be on. They just don't fit on. Hundred okay. percent. You just go bigger on others. So yeah. I think, Katie, yeah. the conversation like I can stay here forever. <laughs> and then I think the team said oh, we think we have a feeling that we might gonna have to do uh, two episodes with Katie. <laughs> so now, team, yes, we're gonna have to do two episodes with Katie because it's just like it's amazing. <laughs> but before we go, I want to ask a question. GPT. Yeah, tell me about it. Chat GPT. Yes, Chat GPT. Yeah. Um. Oh God, you know we're doing a report on this at the moment, so I'm not sure how much I want to get into this. <laughs> but I think because I am very intrigued about it, I want like yeah. to understand what's the future for this. One of my favorite examples is, um, you know, Nick Cave, amazing singer songwriter. I'm a huge, mm-hmm. huge fan. And there was a fan actually sort of sent him a thing saying, "This is uh, I've created a load of songs in the style of Nick Cave." basically. And actually he has a thing called the Red Hand Files blog where he responds to a lot of his fans. And they'd done it as a kind of homage to him. And it was really funny. And he's, he was sort of said, look, I'm really sorry. And this isn't the same for it, but sometimes yes, it's going to yeah. really work. Um, but he said, you know, I am, um, he said, I'm really sorry. He said like, but this is a really, this is a really, if, if this is the future for, for AI and, and you know, the yes. arts, mm-hmm. he's like, it's quite an apocalyptic day because he was like, I'm here to tell you, he was like, I'm here to tell you, Nick or whoever it was, this is a really shitty song. He was like, this is really, really abysmal. But there was one line in it where he said, actually that one line, I do kind of get that. So there was one, and I thought that was really interesting. And when he kind of talked about what his problem with it, he said, it's not just because, you know, he's actually very open to, to technologies and things like that. But he said, you know, he said, as an artist, he felt like being an artist and what he does, he said, you know, every day you sort of struggle with being a singer songwriter because you have to have the audacity exactly. sort of, you know, being a human exactly. and humanity is always is actually about the audacity to push yourself yeah. further than you have been before. And as a collector to say as humans, how do we become something new and to raise above that level? And he said, you know, chat GPT, um, it has, it doesn't have those parameters. It's with, it's within this box. It doesn't yeah. understand what it's like to feel those things. It's so therefore it can't ever go beyond those things. It won't have the audacity to step outside itself and i thought he there's a much more eloquent um the actual if you we go to the actual description of it it's much more eloquent but it was really interesting sort of talking about we have to kind of talk about the future of humanity alongside these things because we're not saying that it's not useful and there aren't some instances so we're looking at it from everything from writing adverts to script writing in tv Mm -hmm. um you know to to, to everywhere really to to creating visuals the places where it can be very damaging so where you can literally put in an artist's name that's why like i feel the same that can you know might be useful but also can be very harmful but that's i think you know i I would almost see it as a little helper as a little assistant Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. it does give me good ideas it might you know cut down on time on certain tasks but I'm never gonna let you know my assistant take over my job and just yeah. let the whole thing do it. Exactly. But this is yeah. you. But then we're talking about you know like that's I think for me is I, the, I think the danger. Of think it. of it like that mood board assist is quite a good way to think yeah. about it because one of the key things that obviously we're looking at, at the moment. Um, obviously we're looking at the ethics and the kind of rights you know if you're putting in an artist's name then mm-hmm. uh, you're literally you know you're potentially ripping off a whole load of, of other people's artworks oh yeah but um, but but also it's more than that it's actually you know if you if you think about it's like the filter bubble the echo chamber obviously it's learning from what's out there now mm-hmm. again to, to Nick Cave's point it's not really kind of leaping us into, into the future necessarily people sometimes think it, it is because it, it might pull up um something that we think looks futuristic but then our knowledge of sort of what's futuristic is based on it's what's been before as well yeah. so there's lots of instances where there's that you know so yes yeah, so there's lots of instances of very exciting unlocking doors to things very quickly giving us ideas where mm-hmm. we think god it might have taken me weeks to kind of research and get to that point point. but then in other ways going but actually is this reaffirming old biases because it's been pulled from a load of stuff Past. that's already out there yeah, and i think idea. you see that a lot you know when you see like Particularly, you saw it a lot when people were using like like things like Lenser AI, um, and lots of women were going, "Yeah, it's cool. I look like an anime character." But have you noticed it's given me like much bigger boobs and massive eyes, and all of a sudden I look like a Japanese Japanese anime character? Yeah. And that was just a really, really like very basic, <laughs> yeah. overt example yeah. about how it was kind of you know it was it was actually sort of 
um, you know, propagating old stereotypes and myths and things that aren't particularly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's interesting what it kind of shows you. So I think it's like, it's this Pandora's box. Yeah. You unlock it, but be aware of where it's coming from and what it's showing you. And sometimes it's actually not showing you something that futuristic. Yeah, yeah. It's actually looking to the past, even though it's futuristic tech. I mean, even ChatGPT yeah. was a little bit tricky. It had some biases actually built into it, right? There was this, I don't know, I saw this article and somebody was asking it about you know, just a comment on, you know, Donald Trump's character. It said it can cannot comment. Yeah. And then it's, oh, really? It the same okay. about, you know, Biden. And yeah. it actually gave you a full text, yeah. very like flattering text on it, yeah. you know. So if it's used in the wrong way with yeah. built in biases, I mean, you know, as much as I don't agree with either of those, yeah. <laughs> um, it can be quite tricky down the line if you think, you know, the power that a tool like that has on a lot of people that will potentially fully yeah. rely on it, you know, yeah. um, for all their information. We need another episode just on strategy yeah, in AI, please, because it's, uh, it is uh, it's a lot to talk about it. And it's because it's just something that is so new yeah. that it's still so many so questions really around contentious. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, really so we're going to make a note. You're coming yeah. back and we're going to talk yeah. about GPT and AI for sure. <laughs> Katie, what an amazing conversation. Like I've personally learned so much with you. Yeah. I don't know you, Alex, and Thank I'm sure the much. audience sure. has you. as well. So what a pleasure. Thank you so much Thank for, you for the time. And for you know, touching so much, so much in just how many minutes? Half an hour? One hour? One hour? Here full we go! Hour. Yeah, full hour. <laughs> Thank you so much for everyone that's been here listening to us today. Hope you have enjoyed this amazing conversation with Katie. And I just said she's gonna come back because there's <laughs> a lot to talk to you about the future, Chat GPT and AI. Alex, thank you so much for being here thank with me today well. for the first time. It's Hope you have enjoyed. <laughs> and Katie, again, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you're not following us yet, please make sure you do. We are on Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and Apple Play. And I see you on next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs>